Hello, and welcome to the Detroit Real Estate Experts Podcast, your place for top tips, helpful hints, and all things real estate in and around Detroit. Today's episode features Jay Taylor, along with his friend and sometimes client, Brandon Greer. These two friends share a love for the city of Detroit and a love of investing in real estate. In today's episode, Jay and Brandon will discuss all things real estate investment, including how they got started, how it's going, and some of their biggest successes and failures, and why you can't trust everything you read about investment on the internet. So we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Detroit Real Estate Experts Podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Detroit Real Estate Experts Podcast. My name is Jay Taylor, your host, and I'm with uh, Brandon Greer today. Brandon, could you introduce yourself? My name is Brandon Greer, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, graduated UD High um, High School, then went down to Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and came back to Detroit four or five years ago. So You gave up the beautiful weather of Waco to yes. live back here in Detroit. Yes. You know, like when I was there, you know, Chip and Joanna hadn't, hadn't made started. Waco like what it is today. Going back, like seeing it now, it's like night and day. Yeah. So. It's fun when a family like that can really do something of that much impact to a town. Especially a town like Waco, Texas. Like they were telling me, you know, because of Chip and Joanna, um, it's like one of the most Googled counties in Texas, like, oh, of course it is. which is insane. So I've been to Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. I just think that's the funkiest town in, in the entire country, yeah. probably. People say Portland's weird, but I think Austin's weird. I, I mean, I, I thought Austin was like Ann Arbor on steroids yeah. with a little more artsy feel and, of course, much better weather. Much better weather. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to just mention a few things of note uh, that I think everyone who's listening might want to know. First off, Brandon, you are uh, a member of the Detroit Golf Club. I am. Which is a fun, prestigious thing here in town. Uh, But you mentioned the Chip and Joanna Gaines right off the bat when you talked about Texas, because Mm -hmm. you happen to do some real estate yourself. I do. I do. I, uh, you know, I had got my real estate license when I was like 19 years old before the market crash. And. You know, even back then, I thought like I wasn't going to finish college because I was making money in real estate. And then the market changed and you know, I, I got caught like looking around at 20 years old, like, all right, what are you going to do? Now what? So, um, you know, it was a great lesson to learn then. But I think it established the foundation for who I am as an investor now. Yeah. And then you are a sports agent. Sports agent is my day job. And uh there are no easy days in that business. So, you know, the the real estate is like my insurance. If I, you know, never sign another player, hopefully, you know, I'll still be able to live a similar lifestyle. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask you just some random questions. Uh you do you own a portfolio of rentals? I do. I All do. right. And then have you done a flip? I have. Okay. I have. So tell me about your favorite flip. What's the best flip you've done in your uh brief career? <laughs> Because you're young. I mean, you're in your 30s. So yeah, I'm, I'm, all that long. I'm 35, but I started in real estate at 19. So, you know, I've, I've I think I have quite a few experiences, um, even though I'm a younger guy. I would say one of my favorite rental, I mean, my favorite flips kind of happened due to it taking so long that it changed the market change. Um, 
bought a property in Sherwood Forest here in Detroit where there was like some controversy between the person who was selling it and the bank that had tried to foreclose. So I don't know exactly what they had going on, but it was contested. Although like, did they have the right to sell it? Um, I bought it and the title company gave me a warranty deed. So I'm like, Hey, that's not, not my issue, but um, it was such a big project that it kind of, you know, took me some time to get started on it. And, Tell me about the timeline. How long from start to finish? I would say from start to finish, it took like 19, 20 months because Ooh, I, two years. Yeah, I didn't start on it for like six months, um, which ended up working out in my favor because the market just took off in that area. Um, so we went through, you know, changed all the bathrooms, the kitchen, everything and put it on the market and had a ton of interest. And it was one of my you know, biggest profit margins to date. So yeah, it's interesting to think about there's two numbers in the flip. There's profit margin, which is just a pure dollar number. Mm -hmm. And then there's ROI, which is a function of both money and time. Right. So based on a two year turnaround, <clears throat> your ROI got cut in half. Yeah. And in an annual rate. Yeah. See, and, and I, I say that, you know, my investment philosophy kind of changed because when I was young, I was hard money loans, everything. And you you're paying someone 10% just to hold that money. And, and like debt on everything. And ultimately, when the market changed and crashed, like my investment portfolio, you know, failed because I didn't have the income um, and I had all these payments. So have you flipped to cash? I am I am a cash buyer nowadays. So yeah. um, because of that, the timelines, which should you know bother me, but it's not as much of a pressure no, for no, me. No. I moved to cash myself. I have a couple mortgages on rental properties from back in 2011. Mm -hmm. You know when you could get houses for dirt cheap and yeah. put a tenant in them. Right now, because I don't know what the values are going to be long term, everything I own is cash. Yeah, and when you've been through a downturn like we saw before, like you know, the fear is there. Are you so on the edge of your seat it's, right now? it's just like, well, because I don't have the debt, I'm not on the edge of my seat. But I think if if I did, you know, like these prices, a little scary. I think the one thing that gives me a little peace of mind is I always say look at other cities around the country and say, well, you know, Detroit is still so far behind. <laughs> like, so it's like, you know, that, that gives me a little peace of mind. So talk to me about your favorite rental. So in the last couple of years, um, you know, just people knowing that I'm looking for great deals and being a buyer, um, there was a friend of mine who put me in touch with a, a judge here in the city and she had a property she had for like 20 years. Um, it was a five unit. She had three people in there. One had been a tenant for like six, seven years. Um, one was her like cousin who okay. would do some of the Family maintenance. Member. And then the third person didn't pay his rent in like, you know, six, six to eight months. So and her and her husband were trying to manage it. Um, so they were just ready to be done with it. Didn't have a realtor, you know, I asked what, what the price she wanted. She gave it to me. I think it was very far under market value. Let's not tell her that. <laughs> you know, and it, 
for you, I would say this is the value of a realtor. Like, you know, sometimes people are trying to save uh, a commission or paying a fee and they cost themselves way more money than, you know, the fee would have been for your expertise. Yeah, I can tell you every time a person has gone for sale by owner and I have been able to change their mind, mm -hmm. I do it with the promise that I will make my commissions and fees above and beyond what they expected to make. Right. And every time I'm able to deliver that so that I truly am free of charge to them mm -hmm. because I made them more money than they would have by themselves. And then what I tell people, even if you couldn't net more with a realtor, the headache and the hassle that you might run into in the middle of the transaction, right. realtor safety. <clears throat> and so if you might run into a title issue, you might run into a mortgage issue. I think every home in Detroit I've sold has had some kind of title flaw or mortgage flaw yeah. that we've been able to overcome that a lot of just unsavvy uh, sellers can't. Yeah. And there are people like you, and it's like, I don't think, A, you were licensed, you know what you're doing, and B, you are... Uh, just super smart. You would never need a realtor, and yet you still occasionally throw things my way to do for you. And I'm guessing that's just a time thing, isn't it? Well, yeah. It's uh, what does it? How, how does it help my life? You yeah, know, like your life better. I, I, I can't wear all the hats. So Jay, take this from A to Z for me, and you know, I appreciate it. It's always fun. So, um, tell me about your goals for investing. Where, like, have you mapped out where you want to be? I haven't mapped out where I want to be. Like I said, you know, jokingly, I said, you know, real estate is my insurance for, um, you know, my day job, which is chasing 19, 20 year old phenom athletes who have no idea what real life is. You know, their perspective and experiences have them jaded. So oftentimes there's a lot of challenges with well, that. You're chasing, you know, 80 to $800,000 payouts that may come once every few years. So what do you do in the meantime? And, you know, you may get fired after taking a guy from not being in the league to being on the verge of uh, the yeah, $40 million deal, which would be like a 400000 a year commission for me. And he fires you four months before. So it's not a good feeling. It and hasn't happened before, has it? It has happened to me before. <laughs> <laughs> you might hear it in my voice. I'm a little salty about it still today. Um, and, you know, there's there's no recourse for that. It's part of the business. So for me, you know, real estate is something that is tangible, that I put my time in, making it better, and it's not going anywhere. Like, people are always going to need a place to stay. And it's my way of buying income. So I'm a single young dude who literally I've just been pouring all of my money into to real estate. Did you hear that, ladies? He's single. <laughs> or very attractive dudes. He's single. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so my investment philosophy is just to continue to buy income, um, making my money on the buy. And I used to do more flips, I think I'm more a buy and hold forever guy going forward. Yeah, it's like my stock portfolio. I have no idea what their top <clears throat> value is, so why sell them now? Yeah, I mean, and having seen what values have done, to me, if if you make your money on the buy, which is like my number one you know, rule, like where do, the, and, and the cash flows at the time when you're done 
rehabbing or whatnot. Like you're just putting gravy, yeah. and, you know. What's the biggest mistake you've made as an investor? Tell me about the one <laughs> moment where you just felt like you really found yourself backwards. I think that um, really in the flips where you're just trying to squeeze out like a fifteen twenty thousand dollar profit margin, and then in Detroit, you know, you get to the ten yard line of being able to list it or something like that, and someone breaks in in the winter and steals the copper or something, and water's just running through the place, and you don't find it for two oh, I days. Think I toured your house. Yes, yes. I can tell you as a realtor the number of times I've gone to tour a home that's listed for premium market value, which, you know, in given neighborhoods, that might be 100000 that might be 300000 that might be a million. Right. But, you know, you, you go into the home with your, you know, home buyer looking to see this beautiful place, and you, you hear the sound of running water Man. outside, <laughs> and you start thinking, that's not right. Right. Uh, and you notice that there's like a broken window, and you're like, you think they would have fixed that by now? Like, they flipped this home. There, there shouldn't be anything broken. Yeah. And then your brain starts connecting the dots. Like, okay, somebody broke in through that window recently. Well, that that water is a burst pipe. Yes. And you get in there, and sure enough, the basement has a foot of water. The furnace is missing. It's nightmare. It's a nightmare. Nightmare. You know that the the hopes and dreams of that investor are collapsed. Yeah. And, and you it, hope that they've had enough experience and in deep enough pockets that they can overcome that loss because there really is ultimate wins in real estate. Yes. But you will have setbacks. You will. And it's not, you know, it's not a straight line from A to Z. And ultimately, you hope you have the cash or the resources to overcome those type of setbacks because they will happen. What's a piece of advice you'd give to somebody who, you know, sitting there playing around golf, the golf club, and they say, oh, I want to start investing. And, you know, you can see that they're green. You can see that they're brand new to it. And what would be a piece of advice you'd give them? I mean, I think that it's like, so many we're in the information age and it's so much for you to learn via youtube the internet etc like take your time and try to get your you know undergrad degree in investing before you just jump out here and buy these lessons you know yeah i struggle with some of the information because we are in the information age mm -hmm. but so to give a little context to my gripe here in diet culture okay we know that for the most part, what you eat and then how much you exercise defines your health or your unhealth. Mm -hmm. How much you eat or what varieties of food you eat, right. how much you drink, all this stuff is a factor. So then you could buy a book and it would say, you know, eat healthier food, exercise more, mm -hmm. you'll be healthier. <laughs> and yet people are sick and tired of hearing that then you, you buy this diet culture where it's like, okay, now try this diet, okay, right. now try this diet. And if you spoke to anyone who's knowledgeable in the field, they'd say, these are all just fads and, and fashions of the day. Really, the number one thing you should do is either limit your calories a little bit or eat really healthy foods that when you aren't filling yourself full, you're filling it full on, you know, greens yeah. and grains and things that are good for you, right? Mm -hmm. So then you do the same thing in investing. There's just a couple nuggets that a person would need the rest is all just noise. Have you gone on bigger pockets? Yeah, I'm not a bigger pockets fan I'm at all. <laughs> all they really need to say is find a good buy. Here's a way to, to do the metrics. Like if it's a good buy, it should fall into these categories. And then either put a tenant in it or sell it. Right. And then for me, like the returns that they're talking about, like 
maybe we're just spoiled being in the Detroit market, but it's like, I wouldn't be doing those purchases. Yeah, like, what? Well, ignoring the numbers, because, you know, Bigger Pockets has an audience outside of Detroit. Mm -hmm. We're used to getting 12 to 20%. Right. But a person trying to invest in San Diego, California, is going to be never getting it. Because really what you're doing in the Bigger Pockets world is equity gain. Right. You know, you you get 6% return while you have it. So again, you're cash flowing in the the short term. Mm -hmm. But you're watching that million dollar home go to 1.4. You just made $400,000 on a decimal point. Right. So there's a different game in other cities. But my other fault with bigger pockets is that you'll read one article, why the Burr method is best. And then the very next article, why you shouldn't use the Burr method. Right. And it's like, okay, you're just contradicting yourself now. You've gone so deep into investment culture that you can't even say the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, there's a ton of ways to do real estate. So what's the right way? Um, what works in your market? What yeah. does it? Like, there's a ton of moving parts. So. You need to do your information gathering, learn, you know, what your philosophy is right. But then you also need to get with someone who has done it in that market and you borrow the lessons from them. Like that's a a big thing for me is like I would much rather borrow a lesson than a bought lesson. Yeah, I've got one friend who barely had $15,000 saved up. So rather than buying an investment property that he puts a tenant in, he bought an owner-occupied home for himself with the end goal of one year from then jumping into another one. Mm-hmm. You can get, you can do less money down, you yep. can get more home. So he lived in it for a year and then moved into another one and put a renter in it. And right. he just, every year, hops houses using just enough money to buy the down payment of an owner-occupied home. Yep. And so that's what I have a 22-year-old cousin who you know, has been working a full-time job for years, has good credit. And that's what I'm trying to get him to do. And he pretty much listens and follows my advice. So he's working to find a, a great property that he can buy as an owner-occupant, live in, and then continue doing that method. Um, my very first time I ever bought is currently one of my most lucrative <clears throat> rentals. That makes me over a thousand a month above the mortgage just because I bought it when I was young. Right. And rather than sell it to buy the next one, I kept it and I yeah. bought the next one. And you're doing buy and hold forever. Buy and hold forever. You know? And for me, I'm not counting on appreciation. I'm counting on bought income and appreciation is just a, a plus. I read that Warren Buffett makes like <clears throat> $1 billion a year in dividends. Wow. The stocks he holds, I mean, just to give perspective, I, this is going to be wrong math, but a billion dollars a year in income is basically like $30,000 every second. Right. Like, he makes $30,000 every single second from his dividends, yeah. meaning he owns these stocks, and they may go up and down in value, but he doesn't care. Right. All he cares about is that $1 billion in just dividend payments into his account. Yeah. Someday, he could sell the stocks, and they're worth an additional $600 billion, Correct. but he makes a billion every year off of these stocks. And I feel like real estate can be the same way. You could do it for the buy sell, but if all you think about is you're buying now, you know, think of each home as a single stock. Mm-hmm. If that yields you a monthly dividend of $600, that's more than any stock you'll buy. Correct, correct. And I own Johnson & Johnson stock and they gave me a $1 dividend last correct. year. Thanks Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do much with that, but. I mean, when you talk about a Buffett, like, you know, it took me a while to come around to 
just buy and hold forever. But when you think about like what's going on in the market in real estate now or the stock market, like if you have held these assets, you give yourself the opportunity to just look like a genius because of time in the market. Yeah, think about the person who bought a Bitcoin for 12 cents. Mm -hmm. How many Bitcoin was needed back at the 12 cent value to buy a Bugatti? Right. Yeah, it's crazy number. A billion? Yeah. A billion Bitcoins would have bought a Bugatti. Right. right. But right now, that same Bitcoin he bought, he needs four and a half of them. Right. Four and a half Bitcoins buys him a Bugatti. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Buying and holding is usually the best method. It is. It is. So, and that's why, like, you know, for me, it's, I buy and, you know, this market, which I'm very familiar with, like, I believe right now with the changing of Detroit, you know, avenues and things that flow into downtown, whether it's Woodward, whether it's the Lodge, um, and then you have the traditional, you know, great neighborhoods, anything, Seven Mile Livernois, Rosedale. Boston Edison, like where there's great architecture. I mean, like it's it's hard to see these not being long term stables in Detroit. Yeah, I found that a person who can take the slight risk of buying adjacent to any of those. Mm -hmm. So sure, Boston Edison, it's an expensive investment purchase. Yep. I own Glenn. Correct. Glenn is a tipping a block point. adjacent yes. to Boston. And it's going to be worth, well, I mean, I've already seen a $300,000 sale on Glenn. So Correct. somebody was buying that home for 60000 just six years ago. Yeah. So I, I've just recently got into, um, you know, some larger apartment complexes. So I've got a, a 15 unit on Harmon, which is right outside of Boston Edison. Yeah. To me, if you ride down that block now, like it's not much on there, which for me is attractive because it's very easy to change the feel of a, a block with five properties on it. You're doing the Chip and Joanna effect in Detroit. <laughs> You're like, I can make a difference in one small neighborhood. Yes. And I honestly <clears> think, <throat> you know, 10 years from now, somebody's going to look back and say, man, that, that Mr. Greer, he did something back here that we can all see the benefits of. I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, your buy and hold method is, I think, my favorite. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, like I have clients, I have a whole board of clients. 10 different clients on a yearly basis are buying and selling two to four properties through me. They're right. buying them, they're renovating, they're reselling them. And they make all this money and I make transactional dollars mm -hmm. off of it. So I'm never going to complain. But the few investors who use me to buy something and then just put a tenant in there for the long term. Right. And they never call me to sell things. I think they're the smarter ones. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to, and I'm in the same game. You know, right. I'm building my way. I want to have 20 doors by next year. And as I'm doing that slow climb, I'm at seven or nine right now. It's always hard to keep track. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sell, yeah. I always say I'm going to sell the worst investment I own. Okay. So each year I look at which, which is the most headache. Let's call it from the herd. Okay. You know, if one investment is taking up 20% of my time or 80% of my time, mm -hmm. like if you get it out of there, you have that much more time left. Plus it's probably appreciated in value. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I look at it as people that are getting these great returns for flips. And even when I look back on some of mine, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, you cashed a $60,000, $70,000 check right there. But, you know, I look back three years ago, you know, the value was this. If I would have been getting twelve, fifteen hundred a month and the value appreciated, like, you know, to me, that's, that's the win. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's the win. So, um, you know, we'll see in, in 10 years if this was the right move or. When you and I are cheersing from our G6 <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a plan right there. So. Well, yeah. I want to say thanks for joining on this podcast. Your wisdom and insight is going to be helping a lot. So if uh, anyone wants to reach you, uh, I will make sure that they get a hold of you. If, if they got some great deals, you know, I, I call it ski mask deals. I like to buy properties where I feel like, you know, I had a ski mask on it. <laughs> so um, send them my way. That's awesome. I may have two right now. So when we hang up here, I'm going to. Let's do it. Thank you again. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. And back for the top tip of the week. Melissa, uh, what is your top tip of the week? My top tip of the week is kind of geared towards sellers. It's know your waterboard. You're going to be required to have a final water read. In some cities, it's super easy, and they'll send you an email within 20 minutes. And in some cities, it'll take them 10 days. So know which water board you work with, so when you need your final water read before closing, you're not caught with your pants down. Pants down. All right. Well, mine has nobody's pants coming down. (laughs) My top tip is actually going to make you money. If you are sitting there and have some money to spend... I have an investor who is trying to offload his entire portfolio. He started with 250 properties. He's down to his final 60 or 70. Every single one of these is rental certified, lead certified, section eight tenants with monthly income guaranteed. This is sure money. And he has set every one of them to a nice clean 12% return on your money, not counting equity gains. Every one of these homes is brick and in nice condition. So I cannot express enough. This is a safe, clean, well-managed portfolio that he is ready to stop making money on. He's owned it for 10 years. He's trying to retire and get out of real estate. He's going to make millions of dollars on the resale. So don't ask me the question, well, why is he trying to get out? He's getting out because he's making millions of dollars on the real estate, but you can step in and get a solid 12% return on your money year over year and watch equity gains. So call me 313-410-1149 for this top tip of the week is for sale. Thanks for listening to the Detroit Real Estate Experts podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to tell your friends and subscribe to never miss an episode. If you're interested in more of what we do, you can find us on Instagram at JTA Realtors. That is J-T-A-R-E-A-L-T-O-R-S. On Facebook as J. Taylor and Associates or call 313-410-1149 to chat with an agent. Thanks for listening and have a great day.